0: Judy is positive about this. How interesting. I thought we were going to leave Judy out. Albert, sit down, Jeffries. Listen. Listen up, listen carefully. I've been to one of their meetings. It was above a convenience store. Who's meeting? Where have you been? Jeffries? you've been gone damn near two years. It was a dream. We live inside a dream. Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. This is one of several episodes I'll be sharing on uh, Thursday and Friday to uh, read pieces or play clips from podcasts and video essays that I've done in the past on Firewalk with me. In 2014, I reviewed the film, and I wrote the following. Despite this less alarming material, The Missing Pieces does not have a particularly happy ending. Picking up where the TV show left us, Cooper seemingly possessed by evil spirit Bob, Frank Silva, or at least the FBI agent's dark side in cahoots with that evil spirit. In our final scene, there is no redemptive twist, only bad Cooper's sinister retort when he's advised to return to bed. But I haven't brushed my teeth yet. The credits roll over a shot of creamed corn on a spoon, dubbed Garmin Bosia, and subtitled as Pain and Sorrow in Firewalk With Me. Much like Cooper's visit to the Black Lodge and the muddled FBI investigation of Teresa Banks' murder, the conclusion of the missing pieces informs us The reassuring hero has taken us as far as he himself can go. Like Virgil giving way to Beatrice in the Divine Comedy, it's now Laura Palmer's turn to lead us deeper into the darkness, and only from there, into the light. We cannot reach catharsis until we've brushed our teeth with Garmin Bosia, and so these deleted scenes are not a substitute for the full prequel, nor, quite pointedly, are they reintegrated with it. Instead, they create a gateway. The end of The Missing Pieces carries us right into Firewalk with me, and should be watched before it and after the series. Around that time, I uh, conducted and then published an interview with John Thorne, again before we even knew that the series was going to come back, and here's what John Thorne had to say in that piece. The thing that struck me the most about The Missing Pieces, some of the original design of the film really came through. The idea that it was going to be a reintroduction to a new storyline— In some ways, they were setting it up to continue. The whole thing at the end with Cooper seeing him fall down deliberately in the bathroom and to cut to the hospital and see the famous scene of the nurse taking the ring, all of that implies to me that it was an effort to set it up so they could continue the story. And the fact that it was taken out says to me that Lynch either wanted to make what he considered a cohesive standalone film or he knew that the writing was on the wall. Why put all that in there? Why not just try to tie it all up in a Lynchian fashion? So that really struck me, having lived with Fire Walk with me for so long, I still think of it as a standalone, cohesive film. To see these scenes, to see them pointing out in all these different directions, really, it was almost, it was bittersweet. The film as scripted, and certainly as shot, was awfully ambitious. And it was trying to do a lot of things, and it was almost two movies, if not more. You have the whole Laura tied with Teresa Banks story, and then you have all of the Twin Peaks stuff, which is, to some extent, particularly with Cooper, pointing to something new beyond the horizon. So that was awfully ambitious that they scripted that. You wonder, were they just thinking, oh yeah, we're going to be going ahead? Were they just thinking, we're going to shoot it all and then we'll see what we want to do with it? I don't know. In 2015, I wrote a piece called Untangling Fire With Me From The Deleted Scenes. It's mostly screenshots with descriptions of the scenes as kind of a user guide for people who are downloading fan edits, and stuff like that, and not sure what version of the film they were seeing, so this was the introduction I wrote. Because Fire Walk With Me, the 1992 Twin Peaks prequel, is not available on most streaming services, many people attempt to download it. Unfortunately, this can yield alternate versions of the film. I've been noticing on Twitter and elsewhere on the internet that first-time viewers often emerge confused as to what they actually just saw. Well, I'm here to help. Below, I have laid out the content of the deleted scenes, as well as the scenes from the actual movie. But first, some context. There are four possibilities. 1. Congratulations. You did just see Firewalk With Me. With its abrupt shift in tone, dual narrative, and fragmented style, the film itself has perplexed viewers over the years. That said, it still plays like a feature film. Chances are if you think you just saw a collection of deleted scenes, then you probably did just see a collection of deleted scenes. Number 2. Good news. Sort of. You just saw The Missing Pieces. This past summer, David Lynch released 90 minutes of unseen footage, originally cut from the film. This is good news, sort of, because you haven't actually seen anything from Fire Walk With Me out of context, except for a few scenes that are extended in the missing pieces. Surprisingly, the deleted scenes actually make a good transition into the film. They are more in the style of the series, longer takes and wider shots than the actual movie, and they bridge between the town's and Laura's perspective. If anything, you may enjoy the film even more now, so get to it. Word of advice, though. Try renting the disc from Netflix or borrowing it from a friend before tossing the dice in torrent land once again. Number three. Bad news, to my mind. You just saw Q2's four-hour fan edit combining Firewalk with me and the missing pieces. Just to be clear, I am not necessarily knocking Q2's efforts, which I haven't seen, although I enjoyed his or her fan edit Northwest Passage, which boils down Twin Peaks to the Laura Palmer investigation. This compilation sounds like an interesting experiment, that should be watched only after you've already seen the film and the deleted scenes in their proper context. Lynch presented them separately for a reason. The scenes, while entertaining on their own, mostly detract from the power of Laura's story. What's more, he cut and mixed them in a very different way from the film, so I can't imagine they would gel aesthetically. If you watched this, my advice is to revisit Fire Walk With Me as it was meant to be seen, in its theatrical cut. Number four. Worst news of all. You just saw some other fan edit that not only combines different material, but leaves out scenes from the movie. I've heard rumors that there are numerous remixes out there, playing fast and loose with what is and isn't in the actual film. Again, potentially interesting as an experiment, but not the best way to see this movie for the first time. If this is what you encountered, or think you encountered, then you are the one most in need of this list, and then from there I go on to describe the scenes. Here's a clip from Journey Through Twin Peaks, chapter 26, Clues Everywhere, and this is where I discuss the missing pieces. This scene with Ed and Norma is the sweetest and saddest moment they've ever shared. And the sequence in the Hayward living room feels like the never-before-seen heart of Twin Peaks. Why is it you can't smoke in your home? I'm a doctor and don't allow smoking in my home, and I let you smoke in my home. Because you love me so much. We are able to directly witness the intersection of Laura's pain and the town's warmth. A juxtaposition that works as a door opening both ways. We can share the Hayward's desire to comfort Laura, to shield her from whatever mysterious force pulls her from their loving embrace. Laura, it's for you. It's your father. And we can also share Laura's sense that she is beyond their help. The Missing Pieces brings us closer to Laura than the series but they do not offer us true catharsis. And in that sense, they force us onward or backwards toward Firewalk with me. A couple years went by, and uh, for Reddit in 2016, I wrote about the missing pieces, and I made this the centerpiece to my Twin Peaks viewer companion that I published in 2018, but it was written before the return. And here's what I wrote in that in the, uh, I think, the fall, probably around November 2016. That said, they also make a weird afterwards set of footnotes, a bit of an anticlimax after the intense firewalk with me. I think this may be the first time I've watched them after the film, on a full series watch through. Usually, I prefer to place them between finale and film as a gateway between the two worlds. That just flows better for me, building up to a crescendo while allowing me to mentally segue from the bustling world of Twin Peaks to the stark horizon of Firewalk with Me, offering glimpses and teases of Deer Meadow, the Palmer household even a few more annotations to the finale, before settling in for a subjective look at Twin Peaks Dark Heart. I wouldn't advise this for a first viewing. I think newbies generally find it too confusing and distracting because they know they are watching extracts from a film they haven't seen yet. But for veteran viewers, I say definitely give this method a try on your next rewatch. It's like a collection of short stories circling around the subject of a great novel. Or, to use one of my favorite analogies for the series, The Missing Pieces allows you to gradually approach the center of a whirlpool, before getting sucked right into the vortex. When I returned to Journey Through Twin Peaks in 2020 through 2021, I had some chapters on David Lynch and Mary Sweeney's collaboration where we dip back into that period where Fire Walk With Me and Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive and Straight Story were all made. So this mentions Fire Walk With Me in relation to other films off and on. I'm not going to play those clips, but I am going to play a clip where I focus in on the missing pieces, since it's more singularly focused on that one piece there. So here's a part where I revisit that subject and uh, talk about the aesthetic of it in a way that is very loosely related to season three. I wouldn't call it a spoiler, but if you don't want to think or know anything about even just the general aesthetic that Lynch was working with at that point in his career. Um, I guess you could tune out a little early here. We are going to play a minute from the first Season 3 episode in a little bit at the end of this podcast. So if you're already going to tune out for that, I I suppose you could tune out for this discussion here. But here's that clip from Journey Through Twin Peaks, Chapter 33, The Other Side, which is part of a longer uh, part that I released as a standalone thing on Vimeo called Dream Souls, David Lynch and Mary Sweeney. Once Lynch threw himself into filmmaking full-time again, it became clear that he had moved far away from the romantic impressionism of those middle years, a style once naively called Late Lynch. The first strong evidence of this aesthetic shift can be found in the missing pieces. Now, don't forget, it's Johnny Horn's birthday today. Edited, in some cases perhaps re edited, by Lynch himself rather than Sweeney. Don't forget calmer more cerebral nature of these sequences My Laura. has already been discussed Bye. even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred as a reflection of the town versus laura's point of, of view side. but as the return would eventually clarify angel robert put out the cigarette this was also how lynch's authorial voice had developed that's right andy a mixture of new contemplative circumspection and the old natural reserve as he approached 70. Ironically, this shift accompanied a renewed celebration of the Sweeney years. Man! This 10-disc set includes a wealth of archival and newly produced special features. As the long discounted Firewalk with, with Me finally found its place. Where Lynch himself interviews the Palmer family. In the Twin Peaks no canon. Sense. In addition to all of that, there are many non firewalk With Me focused works uh, often focused on Twin Peaks as a whole, or David Lynch, which still dwell on Firewalk with me. Uh, aside from all of the fan and media roundups that were already sampled and linked, uh, there's just others that I wrote myself that also reference Firewalk with me. And many contain spoilers for The Missing Pieces or Season 3, fair warning. And uh, I will just link these all in the show notes um, as uh, so, so that you can check them out there. This is already... A long enough podcast, I'm not going to do my thing. I do sometimes with opening the archive where I actually read various references and samples. Plus, with Firewalking Me, there's just so many. I mean, (laughs) you can have another whole podcast as long as uh, some of these episodes already were just on that. But I'll I'll read them off here in case they pique your curiosity. I'll move through them kind of fast because there's a bunch of titles. From 2011, A Dark Dawn, 1990 to 1993. 32 days of movies, day 28. That's when I played the clip of Laura... Uh, talking about the angels as part of a chronological series of film clips. 2014, Weird on Top. David Lynch month on Lost in the Movies, including My Journey into Lynchland below. It's a Strange World, a David Lynch retrospective, 1967 to 2013, Part 2, The Forest. Entering Twin Peaks, Comic Collection number 1, Summer 2014. A story both wonderful and strange. My conversation with Brad Dukes, author of Reflections, and Oral History of Twin Peaks. Seeing the Big Picture. Twin Peaks Comic Collection number two, summer twenty fourteen. Cooper and Laura, a visual tribute to the stars of Twin Peaks. Mike and Other Mysteries, Twin Peaks Comic Collection No. 3, Fall 2014, uh, collected and published like the other roundups in 2016. Hidden Corners of Twin Peaks, a conversation with John Thorne, editor of Wrapped in Plastic, Part 2, The Missing Pieces. And Twin Peaks is Back, a conversation with John Thorne, editor of Wrapped in Plastic, Part 3. Opening the Door, a conversation with Martha Nockumson, author of The Passion of David Lynch and David Lynch Swerves. From 2015, Shattering the Screen, a conversation with Andy Burns, author of Pop Classics Wrapped in Plastic, Twin Peaks. This Cherry Pie is a Miracle, Twin Peaks at 25. Side by Side, Neon Genesis Evangelion and Twin Peaks, The Creators of Laura Palmer. The Paradox of Twin Peaks and David Lynch, Interview with Andreas Halskov, author of TV Peaks. From 2016, Maya Darren and David Lynch, Spend a Lost Afternoon with my video essay, Meshes of Lynch for Fandor Giframe. Voyage to Twin Peaks, an interview with filmmaker Scott Ryan. Twin Peaks, 25 years later, Interview with John Thorne, author of The Essential Wrapped in Plastic Pathways to Twin Peaks. Lost in Twin Peaks number two, Discussing the Theme of Incest with Twin Peaks Unwrapped. 2017, Journey through Twin Peaks, Who, What, Where, When, Why, How, Guest Post, uh, for Welcome to Twin Peaks, Cheryl Lee Illustrated Filmography, the Twin Peaks character series. That was many entries. Even just within that alone, there's like 70 or 80 entries and more coming next year where I talk about characters, many of whom are in Firewalk with me. From 2018, Creating Journey Through Twin Peaks, part two of three, where I an essay I wrote about creating the Firewalk Me videos. How's Annie interview with Cameron Claudia and Amy Ospo, director and actor from Queen of Hearts, a Twin Peaks fan film, 2019? Uh Lost in the movies, patron episode 51C, Twin Peaks Reflections, John Thorne Conversation Part 2, followed by 50 uh, episode 52, the part which was part two of that, and episode 53, which was part three of that, and then in episode 54, we had the kind of a bonus conversation. Uh, John and I, called Cooper's Dream or Mediated Reality. And all of these touch on Firewalk with me along with season three and other things. Lynch Madness, choosing our favorite Lynch film on Twin Peaks Unwrapped with Maya McBriar. Freedom from Formula, discussing David Lynch and O'Tour TV with Martha Nockamson, author of Television Rewired. And finally, my Twin Peaks cinema topics on uh, both the patron podcast and eventually releasing some of these as public episodes. I'm going to read off All of the ones that involve firewalking in some way, which is, uh, I believe, it might might just be all of them, actually, now that I look at it. Um, No, not exactly. Something like Back to the Future Part 2, I found connections to Twin Peaks, but not with, uh, nope, that's in there too. Okay, so it is all of them. So here are all the topics, including some that have not come up yet for patrons um, when I'm reading this. But by the time this is released to the public, like a uh, next year, there are going to be others that were, were covered. So you're getting a little bit of a sneak preview here for, your, for as a reward for your uh, patience for <laughs> sitting through all listing all the other stuff. So here are the Twin Peaks Cinema Topics, all of which uh, include some element, or most of which include some element of Firewalk With Me. Uh, the episode director's. Angel Face, Back to the Future Part Two, Baraboo, Belladonna of Sadness, Bigger Than Life, The Big Sleep, Blue Velvet, The Double Life of Veronique, Drugstore Cowboy, Eraserhead, The FBI Story, Fire in the Sky, King's Row, Laura, Mysterious Skin, Our Town, Peyton Place, Rebel Without a Cause, River's Edge, Storyville, The Straight Story, Sunset Boulevard, The Sweet Hereafter, Three Women, The Vanishing, Vertigo, Wise Guys Lynchboro arc from the TV show that uh, Robert Engels helped write. And as I mentioned, with the episode directors podcasts, uh, there were several of them. And the most pertinent to Firewalk with Me is probably the film Francis, directed by uh, Graham Clifford, who directed episode 12 of the series. And that has a lot of interesting connections to Firewalk with Me. Now, actually, there are a few more uh, to list here uh, other posts from over the years. 2020, I, really, I published uh, images from A Return to Twin Peaks, one of two, The In-Between Years and A Detour into Lynchland with images from uh, Firewalk With Me, among other Twin Peaks things. Um, plus, of course, in Part 5 of Journey Through Twin Peaks, there were uh, Firewalk With Me, uh, came up quite a bit in the section on David Lynch and Mary Sweeney. I'll just link that whole video, the Dream Souls um compilation of three of those chapters into a standalone video on Vimeo that you can check out. And uh, also, of course, in the coverage of season three, it came up as well. That itself is an abbreviated list of pieces that reference Firewalk with me. There are many podcasts for myself and as a guest on others over the years discussing Twin Peaks where Firewalk With Me comes up. Dozens of more random Twin Peaks posts than those even contain references fleeting or more substantial uh, to Firewalk With Me. And you can explore them all on the Twin Peaks directory pages on my site, outside of even just there's there's one whole page of dedicated Firewalk With Me missing pieces material, uh, which contains the stuff I already discussed. That's it for the archive and now we're going to play a clip from part 1 of the return so if you haven't seen season 3 yet be wary but uh you know this is these are just the sounds that we hear in that first part and then i'll discuss what we see and we'll conclude the week of firewalk with me podcasts with that I'll see you again in 25 years, meanwhile. After decades of anticipation, the first minute of new Twin Peaks material, truly new, not just unreleased scenes shot back in the early 90s, is, well, it's actually a scene shot back in the early 90s. Still, I doubt many fans complained. This was, in a way, how Season 3 always had to begin. The greater the time passed, the more imperative that a return root itself in this moment. We fade up on footage that probably is new although it resembles shots in Firewalk with me, a viewpoint gliding across the familiar chevron floor of the red room, often described as jagged black and white lines, but actually a deep brown and off-white. I don't have the quote in front of me, but when asked, Lynch once described the color scheme as something like dark coffee and cream. The movement is disorienting, making the lines almost emerge from the screen in three-dimensional form. The camera shifts from heading diagonally right to diagonally left, and then diagonally right again, eventually reaching the edge of the red curtain, touching this floor, and then swerving again once it tilts up and allows the red to envelop the full frame. Without slowing down or reaching an end point, this move across the curtain suddenly cuts to a still shot of Agent Dale Cooper, a very familiar still shot, which not only resembles but actually is a scene from the season two finale. Cooper, again around 30 years old as he was in 1989, appears seated, in a medium shot, cropped to fit the 16-9 aspect ratio of 2017 television, or perhaps expanded from an originally cropped frame, depending how the episode was shot, but I believe it's cropped, to allow him the same headspace, but to conceal his torso. His shirt is blue beneath a black jacket, light blue, almost casual white to the uh, unsuspecting eye, and his tie is dark and subtly striped with red and green diagonals. A small gold pin, we probably know it to be an FBI insignia, is on his lapel. His relatively short hair is slicked back. He is staring slightly to our right before shifting his eyes and his head with them to look at something further to the right of the frame and his left. Laura Palmer appears seated in a similarly framed reverse shot, the edge of a couch and the stand of a lamp visible behind her. She too is young, appearing just as she did in that finale, Draped in a black dress, her straight blonde hair worn down and with bangs. A subtitle fades up on screen as she talks, in case her warped intonation, the backwards recording reversed, is too confusing to our ears. She winks awkwardly, another indication of this unusual shooting method. She raises her arm directly in front of her, forming a fist with her thumb and pointer finger touching, and then she snaps and we cut directly on the snap back to Cooper's reverse shot. His non-reaction is brief, and we quickly return to Laura, now lowering her hand as subtitles continue to translate her speech. And then she raises both hands again, this time in an enigmatic pose. One palm is raised vertically. The other is held across her forearm horizontally. Both are slightly cupped, as if holding something we can't see. The frame freezes and slowly fades to black. With a few seconds remaining in our opening minute, the black slowly fades into a gray fog, with a circular rainbow orb in the center left of the frame, drifting into the thickest part of the fog as tall fir trees appear on the trailing edge of the fog to the right. Our minute is over, but our journey has just begun. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also become a patron on patreon.com slash movies. Thanks for listening, and I'm happy to say we'll be continuing the season three coverage tomorrow. I may not be able to keep up with this this summer. I'm trying to match the anniversaries of the episodes, but the podcast for parts one and two are already done. So I might as well start there and see if I can keep up with it. And if not, you'll hear them eventually. But uh, we're going to start by matching this five-year anniversary tomorrow, May 21st. See you then. But who is the dreamer?